This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional-level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Welcome to Never Meet Your Idols, a podcast where your idols get real, whether you like like it it or or not. not. This is episode five of Never Meet Your Idols. We're your hosts. I'm Kure. And I'm Laura Mary. And we're welcoming Nick Valenci from The Strokes today. But as a side note, I want to let everyone know that he and I are both in California and there are really terrible fires nearby, so we both have air purifiers going. So that's what you hear in the background, the world ending. (laughs) But what's important is we've made it all the way to episode five. Good job, champ. Yeah, it's been really fun, actually. And um, I'm really excited about Nick coming on the show. To me, anyway, like being, I remember being at school and going to my first Reading Festival and The Strokes, it was their first record and they were like the big hyped band there. I remember all my friends were like going to see The Strokes and I didn't really get it at first. Like I wasn't fussed by them at all. Um, It was a bit later on that I realized how great a band they were. And live, they're just everyone singing along like everyone can sing along to their songs it's just like they are one of those bands that kind of connect a lot of different genres like like a lot of people that you wouldn't expect like the strokes you know they're just and a lot of different like generations at this point exactly yeah it's funny because i was in new york for they were playing governor's ball festival um the summer before last and we went out to see them. The festival already started and it was a trek to get out there. And so th- there was this huge storm. And right before, you know, they kept delaying their set. And then right before they were supposed to go on, they canceled it. But because you're on this island, you can't leave very easily. Oh, wow. So we were just in the dressing rooms. Like, in the, the dressing rooms were like little trailers. So it's like everybody in the strokes, like all the band members, their families and friends were just, were just stuck in this trailer um, (laughs) on this island and there was this huge storm and they kept saying oh the cars are coming to get you guys but like no cars get in because it was an island and there was so many people trying to get out it was just a disaster so I ended up sitting in um, their dressing trailer for hours (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah and then there was this after party in the city and the guy who um, ended up buying me a drink is one of the guys from Queer Eye, the like cute like Italian no <laughs> chef one. Yeah, 
<laughs> and we started talking and um, he's like, oh, let me get you a drink. And that was like my highlight of the stroke show I never saw. It's <laughs> <laughs> like this guy from Queer Eye um, or the new Queer Eye. I'm not forgetting his name, but he's like the cute Italian. I think his name's like Anthony or something. I don't know. I don't know his name. I was so starstruck and I don't even know his name. So there you go. <laughs> Isn't it funny how who you end up being starstruck by? It's always someone like you. So oh, funny. It makes no sense <laughs> with me. I, there's this TV program in the UK called EastEnders, which if you're from the UK is like a kind of staple TV program. It's like the most depressing program in the world. But um... Is it a reality show or...? No, it's like EastEnders, like as in, it's this like London street, and it's like all these families, and they're always like arguing each other, and always someone gets murdered at Christmas. And <laughs> there's a yeah, there's a cafe that everyone meets in, and it's like the most English, well, the most London thing you can ever imagine. I can't even explain it. The, there's these two brothers called Grant, Phil and Grant, and they're like the hard men it's just actually saying out loud it's mad and I actually saw loads of the actors once when it was like 3am and I was in this like all night diner thing and a lot of the cast were in there and I remember I was so starstruck I like just couldn't (laughs) handle it I couldn't believe it it was like I couldn't yeah I remember just being completely just in awe of these if these actors which is so funny when I think back to it but I was an avid watcher of it back in the day and then one d- and one time I was watching it and the character actually mentioned blood red shoes and I thought that was yeah it's actually it's actually on YouTube because I was telling my friend about this the other day and in the in the middle of the episode um this girl had gone to like a festival or something and she's like this guy's trying to impress her and he's like so what music do you like and she was like she goes blood shoes and (gasps) like to see if he like knew it and I didn't really hear it but I was watching it at the time which is weird as well and um my friend that was with me was like oh my god they just said your band name and the show is still on but it honestly like I don't know when I stopped I watched I stopped watching it shortly after that I mean it had its heyday a long time ago that is so funny it's still going and it's the most ridiculous program ever I mean it's really hard to explain if you're not English but it's got this theme tune that goes is this like a soap opera (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh my god it's a soap opera it is a soap opera but it's a very London soap opera and it's just doom and gloom (laughs) and everyone loved it oh my gosh I've been watching um from the very beginning cheers do you know what that is oh yeah cheers yeah yeah I watched it when I was a little kid aww yeah, which is also kind of weird. <laughs> I don't know why I was like, <laughs> yeah. why that was my childhood show. People are like, I think I watched some of it when I was little, though. That's how I know it. I mean, I think because it was on late night TV, and I remember it was like on after the news and the late night shows, and I yeah. could never sleep when I was a kid, and I just watched Cheers. Yeah, I think. I mean, I just remember the fonts. I don't even remember much about it. I just know. Like... Oh no, that's not it. Did you say oh. the fonts? Yeah. Ah, you're getting your classic American shows mixed up. Um, the Fonz Cheers is... is the pub, right? Yeah, but that's not okay, the Fonz. Okay, so the I'm getting that mixed up. Happy Days. 
Happy Days. That was the one I watched. Okay, I've actually never seen One Monday, Tuesday, Happy Days. (laughs) Oh my god, yeah, you did. Um... Detour. Anyway, <laughs> back to the Strokes. Have you heard their new record, the Strokes' new record, the new Abnormal? I mean, that came out a few months ago, but I just got around recently to checking it out. Do you like it? Yeah, I do really like it. I think there is. I can sort of hear some of like the sort of the second and third album a bit in in this one. What's your favorite record of theirs? It's a hard one. I love the first three. That's my. I I can't really pick between them and actually. I was listening to them the last few days, and um, and I is this it? I mean, is the classic one? But I don't know. I can't pick because there's so many different feelings I have when I listen to the first three. There's just like I have such like memories. It's like sentimental. You know, it's sentimental. Yeah. You only live once is on first impressions of Earth, which is their third record. And that's my favorite song. I, it just every time I listen to it, it just makes me happy. It's a good. It's a good. Uh, it's a good thing to have. It's a good effect to have on somebody. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, every time I hear Smashing Pumpkins, I just want to die. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, have you seen? Did you ever get to see them live? Then I saw them in LA, and that was a great show. I guess that was like last year or a year before I think it was last year and then I saw you open for Nick's other band CRX in LA as well oh yeah yeah so man I guess that was almost a year ago I played I know, that's crazy yeah it's a sense of time is all fucked up because of the pandemic but yeah I opened um for CRX at the Echo in LA last year and that was a fun show so you got to see them yeah. play then too, yeah. right it was a really cool show the guitarist in Nick's sideband CRX is Darian Zahidi, and he just put out a really awesome um, single on his own. I think it's his first solo project. It's just him. And the single's called Dancing, and he put it out last month, and I made the promo video for that, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, I saw that. That was really cool, and the song's really good, too. Yeah, it's a really it's a really fun song, really synthy, and... Um, check it out i think it's available everywhere wherever people get music online it's available (laughs) google it it. (laughs) we got a lot of questions from nick's fans regarding crx too so we'll definitely talk about that and what they're up to so shall we talk to the man himself yeah let's bring him in here's your idol nick valency Hi. Hi. Are Hi. you reading? What? Are you reading? I'm looking at something on my phone. Oh, it's a very interesting angle. I was thinking, like, <laughs> yes, spending the afternoon reading. This you're very deep. <laughs> uh, who are you, Corey? I'm I'm okay. I've escaped to Palm Springs. How are you? I heard about that. I'm fine. I'm here in the smoggy Pasadena air. Yeah, I, I saw that there was like ash falling from the sky. This is Hi, Laura. Nice to meet you. Laura and Nick. How are you? Um, well, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast, Nick. Um, we're going to ask you the first question, which is, have you ever met your idol? And if so, what were they like? I'm lucky enough to have met many people that I grew up idolizing, worshipping, looking up to. Some of them have been really awesome. Eddie Vedder, you know, people like that. Um, some of them have been weird i have a roger waters story 
Yes. 100% yes. Do that. Yes. <laughs> very cranky old man. It's, you know, um, it's not a surprise to anyone that Roger Waters is a, is a crank, right? We all know that. <laughs> so I don't know why it, it was surprising to me at the time. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny about it is I make a fool of myself in front of Roger Waters and in front of my friends. Um, I was on tour with the Strokes, I think it was like 2010 or 2011. We were in London and um, Fab, the drummer, and I went out to dinner on off night. We were um, in London, we went to a sushi restaurant, like a big fancy Japanese restaurant. I don't remember the name of it. Um, having a nice quiet meal, expected the night to be you know, boring and quiet, go back to the hotel, maybe watch a movie, nothing exciting at all. But in the middle of our meal, um, I see Josh Hami in the restaurant. He comes up to us, we're sitting at the sushi bar. It turns out that he's in the restaurant too. It's a big restaurant, they're sitting somewhere. The whole band is there, Queens of the Stone Age are all there. They've got an entourage of girlfriends and tour managers and booking agents. There's just like a large group of people there. And they invite us to join them. And all of a sudden, the night is just kind of getting more exciting. It turns out that they're going to see Roger Waters play at the O2 Arena, which to me was, you know, super exciting because I grew up worshiping Pink Floyd. It was a concert when I was 10 or 11 years old. It was Pink Floyd, not with Roger Waters, the, the Dave Gilmore yeah. version of mm -hmm. Pink Floyd. Um, I'd never seen Roger Waters play before. There was all this buzz in London at the time because he was doing like a week-long run at the O2 Arena. And um, I, like there was talk that maybe Dave Gilmore was going to show up. He didn't end up showing up that night, but um, I was pumped, right? Obviously pumped. And we're in the sushi place, lots of sake, lots of beer flowing. We all get in cars. We go to the O2 Arena. We're sitting in a box. There's all, like, you know, box, fancy box seating, unlimited booze, drugs flying around, lots of people. Um, it's like a really nice environment, um, you know, like a loose, a loose environment, very nice time. Um, <laughs> and the show's amazing, super theatrical. You know, it's the wall. He's like, he's doing the wall. The show starts out where there's a big wall. You can't even see the musicians. And little by little, the wall comes down. At a point, there's a, a fake plane that comes down from the ceiling and crashes into the thing. Really phenomenal show. After the show, there's an after party, which we all are um, psyched to go to. And it's somewhere there at the outside the O2 arena. It was weird. It was like a, a big outdoor tent thing. And that's the after party. We go into the after party filled with old people just really, really old people, like just all <laughs> over here. I'm not the, I'm, you know, I'm no spring chicken, right? But we were the youngest people at this after party. But it's cool and there's a bar. And so we hang for a little bit. Eventually out of the corner of my eye, I see Roger Waters. He, he makes an appearance at this weird after party. And um, he's talking with a couple of people, like they're in a circle and, and they're, they're in the middle of a conversation. And I'm with my friends, Fab, Josh, you know, all the Queens guys, Troy, they're all there. And I'm like, let's go say hi to Roger Waters. Let's go introduce ourselves. And they all think it's a really bad idea. And I say, no, you know, to me, it makes perfect sense that he would want to meet us. 
because it's like <laughs> the stroke. Like, yeah. <laughs> old people here. Um, he's going to want to know that we're here. And they say, no way, dude, we're not doing it. And I say, fuck you guys. I'm going to say hi to Roger Waters. So I walk over and it's weird. I can't really find a time to like interject. So I just hover around them as they're talking. <laughs> <Awkward. laughs> yeah. Instead of awkwardly, you know, hovering around and waiting for a lull in their conversation. Um, so I can just, you know, introduce myself. And as I'm doing that, he kind of stops talking to this group and looks over at me and says, can I help you? And I'm, I got really flustered and nervous and I'm like, me? And he's like, yes, can I help you? And I, um, <laughs> I got really, I get really weird all of a sudden because I'm nervous and I'm drunk. And um, I say, well, uh, Mr. Waters, uh, my name's Nick. I just wanted to introduce myself. You see, I play in this band called The Strokes and you've been such an inspiration for me. And I'm really trying to like ingratiate myself to him and, you know, and, and, and be humble and seem really, you know, nice and sweet. And, um, you know, my friends over there, they're in a band called Queens of the Stone Age. And, you know, you've been so influential to us and the show was amazing. And I wanted to thank you and, you know, he's, he's kind of letting me go. Eventually he cuts me off and says, are you done? And oh, no. uh, he's like, are you done? And I was like, um, yes, I guess so. I just wanted to say hi is all. And he's like, all right, then back to your friends. And he turns around back to his group of people, keeps talking. And I'm just like, Ashen. and I walk back to my friends completely like tail between my legs so embarrassed oh, they're no. all laughing at me like literally as i walk back to them they are laughing and pointing at me <laughs> um, so yeah oh big, my god i told you so moment yeah um, uh, and that was that was that your only run-in with roger waters the first and that's last? the only time i've met roger waters um yeah i should have known though because yeah. by all accounts he's a curmudgeon he's um uh seems like maybe anti-semitic yeah. but you still think that someone would have like if you were saying how much he influenced you that he might have like a heart and be like oh thanks or something yeah but i'm sure every i mean think about everyone who approaches yeah, him i'm true. sure says you were such a big influence on me and my music and he's like, <laughs> like yeah. oh god that's my worst nightmare to to get do that and then someone he's like, heard it a million times i'm sure but um there's a part of me that um, I don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable or weird. And um, yeah. if someone came up to me like that, I would at least say, thank you, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, thanks a lot. That's really kind. Let me get back to my conversation or whatever the case may be. But, Do you think, um, though, that you would still, I mean, I know it's hard to imagine this, but because I think everyone, as you're saying, imagines that if they had fans come up to them they would at least say thanks but what if you had it all the time i mean what if you know if you're well, a superstar do you think correct, maybe, maybe it's you not would... that difficult to imagine for me sorry what's the name of your band <laughs> um you know yeah look he could he could have been a little sweeter yeah totally. Yeah. 
I met Lou Reed many times too, and he was never a dick, always really, really sweet. But um, he did a thing where he never remembered meeting me. And I met him like maybe maybe five or ten times. I interviewed him for a magazine once. I performed with him on stage and played Walk on the Wild Side. <laughs> and literally performed with him on stage and then literally saw him the next day. And he didn't remember. By the way, we performed on stage and he was like, great solo, man. Like we had like a whole, a whole <laughs> thing, right? Literally saw him the next day and he didn't recognize me. Do you think that was like a power play or is it, or he just really doesn't give a This fuck. day, I don't know if it was yeah. something that he did intentionally to people, like pretended to not mm -hmm. remember them or... Because or, that's a thing. Or maybe... Yeah, that's a thing. Senile, man. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't take that personally, that's for sure. I did take it personally, like the last time when it was literally the day after. Yeah. And I was like, Lou, it was that it, I randomly ran into him at my sister's college graduation like a big graduation and as as it's ending and everyone's filing out of this auditorium i see lou reed like just by himself in a group of people filing out and i'm like lou lou you know i kind of call him over and he walks over to me stares at me like he has no idea who i am and then he says do you know where Lori is meaning laurie anderson, anderson his wife and i was like no no i was like I'm Nick. We were together last night at like, the what this on a first name basis. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't do, unless unless you want to tell the Eddie Vedder story. I don't think we totally need it. Except Eddie Vedder. No, I, no, the, the, there's no story with Eddie Vedder nice other than he's like so dreamy and amazing and my ultimate man crush. Really? He's such a dad. The people that you idolize when you're young, you know, when you're in your in your formative adolescent years, those are the ones that when you meet them, just like it's like meeting Elvis. It just like knocks your socks off, and you're the um, the, the 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 starstruck that you get with certain people that you grew up with. Like I had that with Slash, the Guns and Roses guys, the Pearl Jam guys. Meeting Dave Grohl too, I had that. We talked a lot about Slash and Dave Grohl last episode with Lee because we all like are huge Guns N' Roses fans, huge. Yeah. And Slash is so nice. Slash is so fucking nice. Yeah. One time Strokes were doing a, a festival. We were on the same festival bill with Velvet Revolver. And, um, and over the years, like, we became kind of friendly with the Slash and, and uh, Matt Sorum and Duff and all those guys. They were in a Strokes video. They're, they're in the Someday video. So we've, we kind of go back now. Um, but I was hanging out with Slash at this festival and he had a guitar, you know, like not plugged in. He's just hanging out backstage, like playing guitar, as one does when it's Slash. Um, and I was like, dude, give me a guitar lesson. And he was like, give you a guitar lesson. He was like, what can I teach you? And I was like, are you fucking kidding? He's good at guitar lesson. He said, I can't know how to teach these things. And I said, let's just go into a dressing room and let's hang out for 30 minutes. Let me just watch you play and ask you questions about what you're doing. And I got through that with Slash. What wow. a dream come true. Yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, that's just really insane for me to have the opportunity to get a guitar lesson from Slash. And he did teach me shit. 
I think that was one of the main questions that kept coming up from um, people was like, who was your influence playing guitar? And so was Slash obviously was one of them, but was there anyone else? Slash was a big one uh, early when I was young, young, when I first started. Yeah. Years old, eight years old. And then later on it, it morphed, it turned into other stuff. Um, George Harrison and John Lennon, the Beatles, huge influence. Um, eventually more new wave, more punk and new wave stuff there. Robert Wine, he played guitar for um, Richard Hell and the Voidoids. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. a session guitar player for a lot of punk and new wave acts. His playing was a big influence. Oddly, this might seem, this might seem weird because it's a little more like um, Southern or something, but Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Mike Campbell, the guitar player, the heartbreak really really big and in terms of how how memorable um and short and succinct his guitar solo just always like tight little guitar solo yeah. but you sing it and it was a lot of the time it was my favorite part of the song um and it didn't have to be meandering or, or like masturbatory I, I could go on about this, but it gets really boring. <laughs> no, this is good. I mean, it was a it was a question that a lot of people asked, and we're all the three of us are guitarists. So you know, Lee last week when we were talking to Lee from Idols, it was like we started going down that guitar rabbit hole too. But yeah. um, but it was a question people asked. Is Lee one of the guitar players from Idols? I'm not on first name basis with the Idols guys. So, yeah, but I do love that just band. Lou Reed. <laughs> just Lou Reed. Yeah. <laughs> Lee, yeah, they Lee love you. Is, yeah, they, you're one of their biggest inspirations. By yeah, the way. they were saying that they um every time they write a song, they always go like, "What, what would, would the strokes, strokes do?" Don't get stuck in that mindset. <laughs> the more interesting questions that we got for you that I found was like more about the creative process. Somebody asked a question about how you are influenced without being a copycat. Cat. It was just um, how do you like have influences but not write copycat songs? Will you say the name too? Who who asked that? So we can give a little shout out. Lodi, Lodi, I think that's how you say it. Lodi. I mean, that was an interesting question because I know that you guys credited Billy Idol for dancing with myself on one of the new songs. And then I'm a huge Psychedelic Furs um, fan and there's an Eternal Summer off of your new record. The mm -hmm. Course, I think you guys credited them too because the course is so similar to um, The Ghost in You, uh, that the yeah. Psychedelic Furs song. and I was wondering if it was something where you guys were, it was maybe almost either an, if it was a coincidence or you didn't realize it at the time, or if it was more of an ode to them. Cause obviously you're not just like ripping them off and not crediting them. You know, it's like, it, it seems more like you were inspired by it or. Inspired by it. Yeah. And those, were, those, um, the, 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 those are melodic things. The Billy Idol thing is like, it's the, it's the melody at the chorus. And it was something that when we were jamming, on that song and coming up with that song, something that Julian started singing. And it was, we all knew, we, you know, everybody was like, you know, that's that's dancing with myself. Felt really good and, and we went with it and didn't even question how that was gonna work until the end, until after it was recorded. Yeah. Um, same with the psychedelic first too. Um, and that was, this, honestly, the psychedelic furs one was. Um, there's so many melodies, and it's a long song, and it, there's a lot of melodies 
but then there's this one melody that shows up that's very distinctly the psychedelic yeah. furs one and um julian just really loved it and he it was important to him that it stayed in the song and it stayed in the song and they got they got credit Starting with it. Yeah, starting with it and kind Building of- Building off of it. Um, a lot of the time with songwriting, I'll listen to a song sometimes and it's not even so much about the words or the chords or the melodies, it's just about the template. And I think, you know, you're like, oh, they started out this way and then they went right into that. And then right after that, they moved into an instrumental thing. And I'm almost using it as like a template where I can fill in my own ideas and use their form as a template. A person, a person wouldn't listen to that and think like, oh, that's a copy of that. But when I listen to it, I know it, I know it kind of is. So do you approach songwriting though in that structured of a way? Sometimes, yes. Yeah. Sometimes when it's like, I want to write a song today and I want to write a song that's like that, you just kind of sit down and force yourself to do something without judging it too much. And even I like to keep this, the frame of mind that like, this is just for me. And I, I don't have to show this to anyone if I don't want to. I'm just having fun. You know what I mean? So maybe I'm just rewriting a Beach Boys song. So what? Maybe I'm doing that on Tuesday. It's almost like an exercise. Yeah, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes, and this is the more fun approach, sometimes happens and, you, and, and it's, you don't know why or where it came from. You just get an idea and then you start doing something and you're like, whoa, this is so cool. And you get so excited about it. And, and, and there's no... In indication of where it came from or how or why and it, it feels unique and it feels right and it is unique and it is right and where it came from who fucking knows I don't know that happens too it's funny because one of the questions we got that was so painful for us to read oh because God. we were laughing so hard um, but it's kind of it's relevant to what you said just now about how you know, some things are structured and then sometimes yeah. it starts as this creative thing that just happens like a happy accident. And then later on, you may realize that it's actually kind of complex. And at least for me, I improvise everything. Like every song I ever record, I only do two takes and I improvise it all. And I'm not like, I'm the total opposite of structured. And then it'll be like, yeah, it's like all stream of consciousness. I only give myself two takes. You, you go and record a song before you write this? Yeah, I never write a song first. But that's why I think it's such an acquired taste for my music. But, <laughs> but, you know, I have a song where the time signature changes twice in the song very drastically. And I never even knew that until a fan of mine asked me about it. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I didn't even know I changed time signatures. But it just happened organically in a creative way. Right. But we got a question for you. That was so, so technical, so technical, so music theory based. <laughs> yeah. You're my true fan. <laughs> they're, they're analyzing every little thing. Yeah, every bit. <laughs> and I'm just going to read a part of it because I do wonder if this was one of those things where if you're even aware of what this guy's talking about or if it's just you were being creative and you guys did it and it happened organically. Daniel says, 
the adults are talking is my favorite stroke song. It's in the key of F minor, in case you didn't know. <laughs> um, that's what he says. Oh. And there's a part in the verse where you come in and play a G major triad when the bars of the verse seem to play the V chord C major. Since Albert's playing a one note melody on the C and Nikolai is doing the same on an E, how does your part work? And it's been bugging him for a long time. He said he's losing sleep over it. Yeah, he can't sleep. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but uh, is that something that- I don't know. I don't know. I appreciate the question. If it works, it works. And I, I don't Yeah. No, don't overthink it. It just works. Yeah, don't overthink it. I think that's a good message. And he goes on a long time about B flats and dominant sevenths kind of tension. Yeah. Give him my information. He's going to be my new my new music teacher. Yeah, we should just reply to his email with your all your contact information and say Nick will answer all of your questions if you just contact him directly. <laughs> Leave us out of it. <laughs> Thanks, correct. Yeah, no problem. I got you covered. <laughs> if you can't have Slash give you music lessons, you could have Daniel Quinn. <laughs> Okay, let's do the voicemail. Hello, no one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. What song took the longest to finish on your album Peak by CRX? That would be New Obsession. I love that song. Um, what is the status with CRX? Because a lot of people wrote in asking about CRX and if you guys are still doing stuff, writing stuff, planning on releasing stuff since you're not touring right now and you have the downtime. Is that something you're still pursuing? Yeah, I was supposed to be on tour with the Strokes like now and all year. So that um, CRX stuff was kind of on hold because I was going to be doing that. But since the pandemic happened, um, there's been CRX songs being written and probably going to get recorded soon, like in the next month or two. So, yeah, I, ho I hope to have new CRX music ready to be released, I don't know, by the new year, hopefully. Yeah, that, that would be nice to just kind of rush it. Um, not overthink things. I don't want to, I just don't want to overthink things anymore. I want to I go with the flow and be more um, productive, make more stuff and take less time. Very cool. That's a good philosophy to have. And I think if you have the freedom to really push it and be experimental, why not? You know, um, overanalyzing things can just stifle creativity a lot of the time. Right. Okay, now uh, it's time for our rants and rave section. Rants and raves! Um. Maybe I can fucking rant about L.A. for a second. I will hop on that train with you. About 20 miles away from me, there's a fucking forest burning. And I, like the air. I don't know why I moved to Los Angeles. Because I've lived here for a while. And I've loved it for a long time. But with this air, man, I can't breathe. I'm sitting in a room right now with a really loud air purifier going. And it's the one room in my house that feels like... I'm not constantly smoking cigarettes, but it's, it stresses me out. And I literally have not left my bedroom. I just stay in my bedroom because um, 
Yeah, I get weird. As soon as I go outside, I start to feel really heavy in my chest and my nose gets stuffed. And then I come back into my little purified oasis. I was quar- I've been quarantined in my fucking house for six months. Now I'm quarantined in my bedroom because of these damn fires. Yeah, it's crazy. I keep seeing everything about it on the news and just like everyone is saying the same thing that I know in LA. They're like, I want to get out. This is mad. What's this quality of life that we're all, that we all think we need, you know, I just want to move into the woods for fuck's sake. It is like, how bad does it have to get until we're just like, okay, fine, we'll leave. That's kind of where I'm, I'm starting to wonder that. I have that thought like a dozen times a day now. Like what else needs to happen where I'm like, okay, yeah, I can leave LA and my life would probably be a lot healthier and better. <laughs> what other signs do I need? It feels like it, maybe just like one or two more. We're really up to the straw that broke the camel's back here. <laughs> <laughs> my rave um, is that I have been, during quarantine pandemic times, been playing a lot of piano and teaching myself with the aid of YouTube videos um, and with the aid of my daughter a little bit, teaching myself piano, getting better at piano. And also I should throw props to my piano teacher, Julius, has been doing um, uh, FaceTime. I wanna get good, but I don't think that I have enough time in my life to get good. I, I knew how to play a little bit of piano before this. You know, I'm a, I'm a musical person after all, but I want to, you know how some people can do things and it looks like they're not trying too hard? That's my goal. What kind of pieces are you playing? Are you on very like elementary level or are you just diving into like, you know, uh, sati and just going um, with it? I, 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 have a, I have a pretty vast repertoire actually. I do some Mozart, I do some Beethoven. Yes, I do some sati. Oh! <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right, man. I guess I am pretty nice already. Yes. Got a Billy Joel on our hands. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> that's, not the, that's not the style that I'm aspiring to, no. <laughs> I don't believe it. Eddie Vedder and Billy Joel are my two man crushes. <laughs> yeah. I, sexy, right? Um, we did get a lot of questions from fans regarding what you've been doing during this pandemic and during lockdown. And um, besides piano, I know you've also started your own farm. You're raising possums. Well, the possum, I'm not raising. He just shows up and eats, eats my cat's food. The chickens, yeah, I started out, I, I got five chicks a couple of months ago. And now they're big, now they're big girls. They're big hens. One of them, it turned out one of them was a rooster. And he was very loud. Crack a dawn every morning, cock a doodle do. Like he would cock a doodle do pretty much all day long. <gasps> yeah, I mean, that would drive anyone mad, wouldn't it? We didn't eat him, we gave him away. And then my dog killed one. He didn't eat it, he just killed it. He broke its neck, snapped its neck, and then brought it into me as, a, as, a, as an offering. Um, I don't know. What happened was what, what, this one chicken flew over the coop. She, she figured out how to like fly the coop, man. You know, she flew the she paid the price. Paid the ultimate price. You know, she had a name which will explain why I couldn't eat her and why I had to bury her. They all have names. Um, but Sylvia was my, um, she, was most, she was my most prolific egg layer. Oh. So I don't have that many eggs anymore. So what are they for, the chickens now? 
Well, they're for eggs. It's just these bitches won't lay. I'm just, <laughs> Sylvia was, Sylvia laid a lot. And um, they're still young, you know, they're, they're still, they're only like six months old, these chickens. They're, they're pretty young. Are, just, there, are there silkies or just regular chickens? I have two silkies. I had, oh. um, I had two silkies and then three of some other kind. But one of them was a rooster. He's gone. And then one of them got killed. So now I've got two silkies and one just really beautiful brown girl. Like like inbred or something. They're not really. I think they're so cute. They look like little like stuffed ant, like Dr. Seuss characters. Very puffy, and they're like they're not smart or something. They just and their attitude is like kind of quirky and inbred. Are chickens smart in general? Um, the ones that aren't silkies seem like smarter. Except she flew the coop and got herself killed. <laughs> it's a proper farm over here. I know, I'm jealous. I tried to give you my cats too, but you were yeah, I was, I, you caught me capacity. in a time when I was not accepting cats. But that's cool. I think it's living the dream. A lot of animals over here. A lot of shit, a lot of piss. And a couple eggs. Mm-hmm, a couple <laughs> eggs. Well, on that note, <laughs> thanks for talking to us, Nick. Just such a joy to speak with both of you. And thanks for having me on your podcast. Yeah, thank you, and hopefully I'll be seeing you soon. I have a feeling you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Never Meet Your Idols. Join us next time when we welcome Ritzy from the Joy Formidable. To submit questions for us or our guests, email us at nevermeetyouridols at gmail.com. Or send us a message or voice memo on Instagram at nevermeetyouridolspodcast. Until next time, I'm Karay. And I'm Laura Mary. See you next Tuesday. Tuesday.